Do you ever wish the Bible were just a little bit more practical? Like instead of stories about giants and floods and stuff like that, it just told you like, I don't know, how to keep a good friendship? Well, guess what? In the Old Testament, there is this book called Ecclesiastes. It's just a collection of wisdom sayings. There's another one too called Proverbs that you, you might have heard of instead of Ecclesiastes. But in today's sermon, we're gonna be looking at Ecclesiastes and specifically a passage in there where the author talks about friendship. And it uses this metaphor of a strand of three cords is not easily broken and two are better than one. Oh, is there a whole lot to get out there? No, that pretty much makes sense. Two is better than one when it comes to having friends. Uh, friends are important to us. Friends help keep us strong and connected. So in the sermon today, our senior pastor, McGray DeVega, is gonna continue this idea of talking about you are not alone. And he's gonna use a passage from Ecclesiastes to help us understand how friends help us feel more connected to ourselves and to others. Check it out. Let's pray together. Oh God, open our eyes to empathy, curiosity, and humility, that we might be generous and compassionate toward others and ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. The author of Ecclesiastes gives us a bit of a physics lesson this morning. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. You take three strands and weave them together, and the new cord becomes stronger than the individual strands. It's a metaphor, of course, for the value of relationships, particularly today, friendships. This theme runs throughout the Bible, especially in this section of the scripture that we call the wisdom literature. Both here in Ecclesiastes and in the book of Proverbs, we see many insights into the power of friendship. A friend loves at all times, it says in Proverbs 17:7, and a brother is born for adversity. Proverbs 18:24 says, a man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And Proverbs 27:9, oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. And here in Ecclesiastes, the pinnacle of wisdom literature, we read this verse this morning. Two are better than one, for if they fall, one will lift up the other. But woe to one who is alone and falls and does not have another to help. The Bible is clear. There is a unique power in friendships. Among all the relationships that we have, including romantic love, family love, relationships with neighbors, coworkers, fellow citizens, there is nothing quite like a close friendship. Even though as a culture, by the way, we tend to place all of those other kinds of relationships above friendship. The power of friendship is at the heart of one of the greatest works of literature in the 20th century. The Lord of the Rings trilogy is a collection of stories that became the basis of one of the most beloved blockbuster film series in movie history. And friendship is at the center of the story. There's Frodo and Sam and their unlikely band of heroes, an elf, a dwarf, a wizard, a human, and a handful of hobbits, each from communities that were historically at odds with each other but together they forge a friendship that overcomes not only their differences, but even evil itself. You know, there's no romantic stuff in The Lord of the Rings, 
until you get to the appendices. That's where we read about romance between Aragorn and Arwen and the like. But what's interesting is that when Hollywood and director Peter Jackson made this iconic film adaptation, they pulled that romantic stuff out of the appendix and wove it into the main story. It's as if to acknowledge that what we really want today when we watch a movie is not just a story of friendship. What we really want is romance and intimacy, that kind of love. Think about the covers of popular celebrity magazines. You go to a newsstand and you see glossy photos of primped and preened celebrities, and you'll see headlines about who is dating whom and who just got married. Just once, it'd be great for TMZ to cover some breaking news that two celebrities were just seen together at a posh restaurant and they looked over at the reporters and the paparazzi and then they joyfully exclaimed, we are happy to announce that the two of us are friends. That's not what sells in our culture today. Friendships get downplayed in our society. As a culture, we put the pursuit of romance at the top and the drive for sexual attraction. We also put high value on family. That's what we talked about last week. We also take pride in our civic relationships, the, the ideas and responsibilities that we all share in order to build a better community. And on a day-to-day -day basis, we focus on our work relationships, how to do our jobs well, get along with our coworkers, achieve our company's goals. So... As we become busier and busier, focusing on family and work and keeping up with what's happening all around us, there is inevitably one kind of relationship that can most easily get pushed to the bottom of our priority list. Close, trusted, life-giving friendships. And that's why many of us feel so lonely we can have strong relationships in all of those other categories, but without a collection of close, deep, trusted friends, life can feel so hard. If you read my midweek message this past week, you read about something called the friendship recession that we're experiencing today. The American Perspectives survey conducted by the Survey Center of American Life found that Americans today have fewer closer friendships than they did in 1990. And that we talk to our friends less often and rely less on our friends for personal support. Hmm. So what can we do about it? Well, I think the place to begin is in recognizing that friendship is something to be discovered, not something to be manufactured. Two great writers on the subject, Ralph Waldo Emerson and C.S. Lewis, both point to the fact that friendship comes not by pursuing someone to become your friend, but by pursuing some interest and passion within yourself and discovering who is pursuing it alongside you. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, quote, friendship does not so much ask, do you love me, as much as it asks, do you see the same truth? Do you see the same thing? And in his book, The Four Loves, in his chapter on friendship, C.S. Lewis puts it this way, quote, the typical expression of opening friendship 
would be something like, what, you too? I thought I was the only one. He said, it is when two such persons discover one another, when whether with immense difficulties and semi-articulate fumblings or with what would seem to us amazing and elliptical speed, they share the same vision. It is then, he said, that friendship is born. And instantly they stand together in an immense solitude. So friendship is first and foremost something to be discovered. It occurs when in discovering who we are, we discover those who share delight in those same discoveries. C.S. Lewis said that unlike romantic love, where the posture is turning toward each other and finding love in each other, friendship has the posture of standing alongside one another and discovering mutual love in some shared thing. Friendship is something to be discovered. But then, as you know, it takes time. Friendships don't grow deep or close overnight. It needs to be cultivated. An article in Forbes magazine even tried to quantify it. It said that it takes 11 separate interactions to build a friendship. And on average, those interactions require at least three hours apiece, covering at least a five and a half month period of time. No wonder it can feel like hard work. But here's a simpler how-to, just four steps. The late great preacher Tim Keller of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City preached a sermon on friendship in which he said any friendship needs four things in order to grow. Constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel. Constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel. First, there's constancy. Proverbs says a friend loves at all times. That doesn't mean that doesn't mean that you spend all your time together. That may actually lead you to hate each other. It, it doesn't mean loving all the time. It means loving each other through all kinds of times. Good times, bad times, times of shared struggle, even times when you are struggling against each other. And also times of routine. In other words, you need to be available to each other whenever and wherever. And this is important, Tim Keller says, because in lesser kinds of relationships, we are friendly to some people just because they are useful to us or we are useful to them. That's, that's understandable. I mean, some people are useful to us because they help us get a job done or because they help us have a good time or because they help us figure out a problem that we're facing. But in true friendships built with constancy, it means we are close even when there is no utilitarian purpose except that you and I are meant to stick together. Second, after constancy, there is carefulness. Now, what Tim Keller means by that is by being sensitive to each other's problems and being careful to respond to them in a way that is most helpful to them in that moment. So if your friend is going through a problem, it requires not just responding to the problem, but responding to them in a way that neither dismisses their feelings or overwhelms them with your response. Friendships are forged by a trust built over time when two people learn to communicate both their struggles 
and the ways that they need and can accept help during those struggles. And this requires trial and error. You learn when your friend needs space or when your friend needs something from you, but they're not able to ask for it. Carefulness means knowing when to say, on the one hand, let me know if you need anything, or when you need to say, I'm coming over right now, and everything in between. Third, there's candor. True friendship is built on an ability to speak the truth to your friend or to hear the truth from a friend, even when it's hard to do so. Proverbs says, quote, better is open rebuke than hidden love. It also says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Sometimes we need the wounds that a good friend can bring us, even and especially when we don't want to hear it. Because when we don't heed those hard truths from our friends, we are more prone to make bad decisions that will cause harm to ourselves or other people. Constantly, constancy, carefulness, and candor. And lastly, there is counsel. Proverbs says the pleasantness of one's friend springs from his earnest counsel. A true friend is someone you can turn to for wisdom and insight when you most need it, especially on matters that you are reluctant to share openly. There are, there are issues that you are facing that are so deeply hidden and personal in you that you can't just talk openly with anyone about it. But to have a friend to come alongside you, to share counsel with you, that's one of the best gifts you will ever have. But notice how all four of these are connected, because back to candor, sometimes the counsel that can be brought does not mean hearing from your friend exactly what you want to hear. And back to carefulness, sometimes it means just listening rather than speaking to your friend or asking them non-leading questions just to help your friend think aloud about what they're struggling with and walk alongside them as they discern. So there's the four, constancy, carefulness, candor, and counsel. Tim Keller summarizes those four points with this statement. A friend always lets you in and never lets you down. A friend always lets you in, constancy and carefulness, and never lets you down, candor and counsel. When I first came back to Tampa in 2015, one of my conversations with my therapist was about my need to develop some new friendships here in the area. I said it was great to be back with family, familial love, and great to be back among dear colleagues and church members, loving workplace relationships, but I was missing that friendship love. So she gave me some great guidance. She told me to step out of my comfort zone, take a risk. She told me I might try joining a few meetup groups in the area and started meeting new people. So I put myself out there to discover new things about myself and to get to know people. Some of those efforts worked in developing new connections. Some of those efforts did not. Eventually, I received an invitation to join a group of other clergy in the conference back in 2017, to join their covenant group with them. And at first, 
I turned it down. I put other relationship priorities above friendship, parenting my daughters for one, leading this church for another. Just as I said at the beginning of the sermon, family and work, I was just too busy. But in 2018, just um, over five years ago, I said yes. And the eight of them have been my closest friends ever since. We've been there for each other with constancy. We know each other well enough to respond to each other with care. We speak hard words of truth to each other, candor. And we've learned to lean on each other for counsel. And now having close friends like them, you know what? It actually makes me a better father and a better pastor. It turns out that true friendships can improve all of your other relationships. We all need these kinds of friendships. They don't happen automatically. They are more often discovered than they are manufactured. And once you find them, they do need to be cultivated with patience over time. Friends, may we all discover these treasured relationships in our lives. Let's pray together. God, thank you, first of all, for Jesus, who said in the Bible that he calls us his friends. Thank you for showing us through Jesus how to love alongside one another as we go through the ups and downs of life. For those of us who have such friendships, help us to cherish them. Help us to make those relationships grow stronger and deeper. And for those of us who are longing for such friendship, give us courage, give us patience, and the ability to love ourselves as you love us. And may you bring those special people into our lives sooner rather than later. Thank you, God, for the gift of friendship. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you found this message helpful, maybe even a little bit practical. Maybe a way for you to consider who you might want to reach out to and deepen a friendship with this week. If you want to go deeper with this content, down in the notes below are some reflection questions, next steps that you can take. You can also share this podcast or this YouTube link with a friend. Ask them to subscribe to the podcast or to our YouTube page. We definitely appreciate it. I'm Matt Hotho. See you next time.